We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have like a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. The Indiana Pacers. Reggie from the wing. Hey! to the big fella, fake shoots, and hits! He hits! He hits! He hits! He hits! Ten seconds to play. Seven. Here's a three by Oladipo. Oh, he hit it! Victor Oladipo from three-point range. 18.7 seconds left. Miller for three. And he got it. Reggie Miller with a clutch tray and a steal. Miller retreats to the three-point line. What is going on, everybody? Welcome back to Setting the Pace. We are joined today by Off the Glasses, Corey Waldron, who covers Indiana Pacers. And we're also joined by our normal guest and our normal co-host, Mike Focci and Tyler Smith. Gentlemen, how are we doing? Doing great. Doing well, doing well. There we go. Corey's back. How's it going, boys? Flag, <laughs> flagged out for a second. We're back. We're okay. Full All right. Glitch. Is this episode 23 or 24? I can't remember, Focci. 23. 23, so we're coming at you with episode 23. Uh, I guess that would be the pre-Malice on the Palatron, our test number 23, right? Ooh, that it would. <laughs> that's, that's one of my uh, favorite pacers in, like, dated back history. From like, when I, was, I can, like, you know, recollect uh, pacer that is. Yeah, and that goes great with our, our tweet that we put out today for all the pacer fans. Uh, tweet at your favorite moment. And when you became a Pacer fan, we all would like to know that because everybody's got a different story, and just hearing the different stories is cool. But today we're going to do a little bit of a round-the-horn type style of setting the pace. So I'll be Tony Reale, quote-unquote. You got uh, Tyler Smith, a.k.a. Woody Page. You got Mike Focci. We'll, uh, who, who do you want to make for, for Focci? Who would be a good comparison for him? Jackie McMullen. <laughs> oh, wow. Thank you. <laughs> That's the All first right. one that came to mind. That's the only and then, reason. <laughs> and then we'll call uh, Corey Waldron Kevin Blackstone <laughs> <laughs> or Tim Callishaw. Tim Callishaw. No, that's that's a good oh, one. Tim Callishaw. That's, that's, that's yeah. That's, actually, that is a good one. 
Yeah, Fachi kind of looks like think, a redheaded Kalashal. <laughs> I still think the best line, though, ever in that show is when Adande was on there. And he'd say, how about you, Adande? It just sounded funny. <laughs> <laughs> All right, fellas. Well, let's get to it. The Pacers win on woeful 4-10 and 10 here in the month of March. They did win their first game, though, on April against the Pistons. Tyler, 4-10. and 10. Pacers, what did you take from that March brutal schedule? Yeah, that was uh, kind of expected. I mean, I don't know if four and ten is is what fans expected, but we saw the schedule. We knew what was coming, um, especially with the injuries that they were facing. Um, it was the first losing month they've had since December of the previous season, so that's the good news. But obviously, it did not come at the best time. Um, but the good news, uh, more good news, I should say, is that the Pacers are now nine and three under McMull. Or <laughs> I got Jackie McMullen on mine now <laughs> under Nate McMillan. In uh, the month of October, or oh my gosh, I'm just now I'm in baseball mood too. In the month of April, over the last uh, three seasons, so they've turned it up the last couple of years. Hopefully, they do it again. Good sign uh, in that win over Detroit. Well, let me ask you, Tyler. So with this with this bad play here in March, what was the reasoning for the losses in, in your opinion? I mean, part of it was the schedule. But part of it is this team uh, they just can't win on the road. I mean, ten straight road losses. No matter who you're playing, you got to find a way to win some of those. And I've been talking about it for a while, the fact of you know the difference of record, not just in those 10, but without Oladipo, it's been a different team on the road. They, they can't guard anybody some nights, and that's a big problem, obviously, and they got to figure that out quickly. Corey, what were your takeaways from the Pacers in the month of March? I mean, obviously, as everybody has just mentioned, uh, that was a doomsday-like stretch. I mean, facing the Nuggets, the Warriors, the Celtics, all those teams that are well into the playoff picture. Um, I mean, Collison being kind of banged up, that hurt. I mean, we just don't have a lot of playmakers. We have a lot of guys who can handle the ball and make plays off the dribble. So having Collison kind of banged up, I know Tyreek Evans has been kind of just like a question mark throughout the entire season, especially that, you know, a couple, what if he have a personal reason he missed two games or whatever the case may be for that. Um, so, like, just lack of guys who can make plays off the dribble. Obviously, Bogdanovich was stellar uh, throughout March still, but um, the lack of guys who can put the ball in the hoop. Fachi, anything from you that you took away from this month? Just 13 straight games against playoff teams. And even when you thought Orlando was going to be the easy one on the schedule, they're playing really good ball. So, it's tough. Obviously, the, the, the road woes. I mean, losing 10 straight on the road – you got to pick that up quick because when you go in the playoffs, if you don't have home court, you're going to be bounced in the first round. We've had some injuries. This is not when you want to be playing anything less than your best. But, hey, April's a new month, and we're undefeated in it. All right, we're going to move uh, over now to a new topic. Corey, I'm going to start with you. So, Kurt Goldsberry put out a really interesting tweet where he had the hottest shooter by zone and coldest shooter by zone. And Tyreek Evans, coldest shooter by zone in the paint, 44%. You just mentioned that Tyreek Evans has had a very difficult year with the Pacers. What what can Tyreek do to be an impact on the Pacers going forward? That's a good question. Um, I think we're all still trying to figure that out too, right? We're in April. We still don't know who Tyreek Evans is really. I mean, uh, heading into the year, I was so high on Tyreek too. I kind of felt like he was an upgrade over Lance Stevenson, almost like a supercharged, more consistent version of Lance. Obviously, coming out from Memphis, he was really good at shooting the ball, getting off the dribble, and getting to the hoop. Um, for him, I think it's it's more so getting other guys involved so he can kind of space the floor better. I like the the um, the chemistry he has with DeMontis Sabonis on that second unit, his ability to kind of work the pick and roll. So for me, I think for Tyreek Evans, it's mostly getting guys around him involved so he can get more space to kind of get more 
um, odds and penetration. Now, you said that you thought Tyreek might be a supercharged Lance Stevenson. At this point right now, who would you rather have coming off the bench? Lance from last year or Tyreek from this year? I mean, the, the bias is going to come out probably Lance from last year just because at least Lance could do some fun moments. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, it, it is what it is at this point. If you didn't see a lot of Lance Stevenson, so it's hard to say what he is this year. Fachi, 44% from right in the paint. What are your thoughts on this? It's horrible. It's terrible. I mean, you just see him. It, it He gives you kind of this, this look that you just know he's going to go in and take it and not even look for others. I mean, his assists are like half of what they were last year, basically. And he has this game after game. It was three straight games going three for nine. I mean, some of them are just like, I need you to be, be a playmaker. Don't always just kind of be looking to score. And at times... It's. It seems like we signed a guy maybe named Tyler Blevins instead of Tyreek Evans because this is not the guy <laughs> oh, that God. I thought we signed. If and, I had a mute uh, button, I would mute you right now for that. <laughs> well, you don't, and I'm telling you right now, I, I don't see it getting much better. But I'm praying that it does. All right. Well, let's move on to Tyler. Let's get some. Uh, let's get some common sense in here now. Get some. Uh, get some really honest. <laughs> Just kidding, Fachi. But anyway, yeah, well, I mean, what is your take on Tyreek's struggles to finish up the rim this year? I mean, something we expected him to be pretty good at. Yeah, I mean, you guys mentioned it's just it's it's just hard to put your finger on it. Every once in a while, he has one of those great games and then makes comments about like, like, yeah, I told coach, uh, you know, the style I want to play. And he let me play that way. And, you know, I played well tonight. Um, there's been other times where he said, you know, I got some treatment on my knee. And that, you know, was the reason I had a good game. And so it, we keep expecting him to kind of take off at least in a three or four game stretch. And it just hasn't happened. And it's, I mean, it's, it's baffling. And, you know, you mentioned Lance of last year or, or Tyreek of this year. Um, we wish we had Tyreek of last year, and we just don't. And hey, I don't, well, I don't know why. Question. Quit making up different questions. <laughs> well, what was the, what, well, I mean, you know where I'm going with that. You know, if it's based on last year's Lance or this year's Tyreek, I'm going last year's Lance easily. And, um, you know, talking about the, the fun moments, but also he was, a, he was a good, you know, serviceable player off the bench and for, I'd say, most of the games last year, not all of them for sure, but – I mean, not only the energy and the the fan favorite uh, favoriteness of him, but uh, you know he was he was a better player most of all or most of the year than Tyreek is this year. The real question is, who do you think Nate McMillan would rather have? Uh, I think <laughs> I think he would rather have uh, Lou Williams. Yeah, <laughs> Fachi. Oh, I mean, yeah. If I can go with Tyler, I'd go with Lou also. But I don't know. I, I just think with Lance, like obviously, there's good, bad. There's bad Lance. But we've barely even seen good Tyreek, so I'm going with Lance. It's my pick. Yeah, color me different. I'd still take Tyreek. <laughs> Lance cares about himself more than Tyreek does, in my personal opinion. And Lance gets a little bit too show. I love Lance. Don't get me wrong, but I'm just saying. Uh, we look what Lance has done in LA this year. Uh, you know what I mean. He's kind of become. But that's different. He's different as a pacer. And mm-hmm. Lance at four million or Tyreek at what do he make twelve or thirteen 12. million? That's well, uh, that's that, a big that's, difference as that's well. That's a fair point. That's a fair point. Well, moving on, we're going to go to Mike Focci starting this one off. Uh, interesting tweet last night from Tony Pesta. Underrated side of the season. The Cavaliers have 187 total blocks as a team. Miles Turner has 187 total blocks by himself. Now, there was some controversy over if the Pacers really should have extended Miles Turner before the season started. He got a four-year, $80 million contract. Focci, if you're going back and looking at Looking at what the Pacers did before the season, 
is Miles Turner right now worth that much money? I, I do. I do. The, the market always has a way of resetting. And in about two years from now, a four-year, $72 million deal isn't going to be that bad. Miles has his strengths. He could be a, a future defensive player of the year. I don't think that he's going to be someone who averages 20 and 10 on a season. I don't. But I do think that he can be someone moving forward that can maybe give you 15 and 7, 15 and 8 on a, on a consistent night and be one of the best rim protectors and shot blockers in the league so if i could do the contract over yeah i i I would i mean it would have been better if we could have waited to the end of the year i don't think he would have done anything to drive that value up but i don't think that we overpaid tyler how about you what are your thoughts on this three words for me worth every penny that's what Mm -hmm. i think about miles turner and the re you know he mentioned how the market can change i think even signing that contract going into next year, he would be about the 59th most paid player. I feel like he can be a top 60 player because the defense is so elite. And I just feel like the way he's playing uh, overall this season, though a little bit inconsistent, overall how he's played this year, I feel like is pretty close to the value that we're paying him. So now any advancement that he makes, I think, is a bonus um, for the Pacers. Corey, what about you? Yeah, I'm with you guys. Um, 72 million is going to look really good in a couple of years. Obviously, the rim protection from Miles Turner is top notch. He had three blocks last night in the first quarter against the Pistons. That one block and Andre Drummond was pretty nasty. Um, so he gives you the rim protection. The rebounding, I agree. I don't think he's ever going to be a 20 and 10 guy. He just doesn't really bully guys down low for the board. Obviously, he did have that four game stretch where he had a double double with four straight games, which was nice to see. Uh, but offensively is where he's made the biggest drive for me. The fact that he's shooting 38% basically from deep, I think that's only going to get better, probably get more touches as the offense continues to evolve, to evolve with all the people coming back next year. So I think the upside for him is good. I like I who said it? I think someone said it would be a 17 or a 15 and 8 guy, and that's, that's probably mm-hmm. realistic and the defensive player of the year candidate definitely in the next couple of years to come. Now, there was an interesting tweet by Caitlin Cooper. Um, she said that Miles Turner played more like playoff Miles in that Boston Celtics pivotal game uh, Friday night. And I was a bit confused on what the what the power rankings were for all these different Miles Turner. So here she has, number one is debut of Ponytail Miles. Two is birthday Miles. Uh, two is Ponytail Miles again. Three, we have masked Ponytail Miles. Four, we have regular Miles. And five, we have playoff miles. So she was not impressed with Miles Turner at all in the in the game against Boston. Fachi, I'll start with you. Do you do you think that you know playoff miles is a real thing? I, I hope it is because uh, I've you seen do? him. It's the worst miles on her list. I, I mean, I want playoff miles to be a thing because with the playoffs coming up, I want him to be someone who elevates his game to the next level. Because in the past, I have not seen that. I haven't. I mean, it, it just seemed like. At times last year, he's good for about maybe one or two good games in the playoffs, but I want to see it throughout a series. I love birthday miles because that, that's the kind of miles that I can go with any time mean, against the, the Nuggets. That was the kind of guy that I want to see. Shot a great percentage, rebounded very well. Give me that, Miles, any day. Tyler? Uh, I probably want to see uh, December, January, Miles, if that's a thing. It's probably not a thing, but he had really good numbers in those well, two months. and ponytail miles. Yeah, yeah, I guess that's right. I was looking at some of the splits, though, and his home road splits are pretty equal in terms of, like, the counting stats and things like that. But I did notice that he's shooting 43% from three at home compared to about 33 on the road. 
So a pretty big discrepancy there if he can, you know, hopefully, you know, some guys that takes a little time into the league before they can um, get their shot down away from home and, and feel comfortable. But um, I did notice, too, that he shot just 41 percent in the month of March, which didn't help the Pacers struggles after shooting 54, 51 and 48, respectively, in the previous three months. So I just want to see him uh, be aggressive and continue to block shots. But when he's hitting threes, it's a different dynamic for the team. Corey, yeah. any final words yeah. on that? It's, it's ponytail miles for me as well. Um, that stretch in December and January where we kind of fooled everybody when Old Depot went down and we kept afloat and held that three seed because Miles Turner really took a step forward. And I think for us to be possibly to pull the upset in Boston in the first round, Miles Turner has got to be probably the best player on the team. Interesting. All right, well, let's move <laughs> forward to our next topic as we're getting close to the end of the show. But the next topic who is the more, most important Pacer player without Oladipo? Tyler, we'll start with you first. This one's tough because if you're talking about just numbers, uh, hold your breath, it's Tyreek Evans. <laughs> I mean, because, <laughs> I mean, that's a terrifying thing to say. Most fans just want him to go away, uh, you know, and uh, I'm not sure it'd be the worst thing in the world if he went away and Holiday took his minutes. But anyway, if you look at the numbers as far as like how they do in wins compared to losses and player stats, and they still have a really good record when he scores 10 or more points. I mean, he, he was supposed to be the most important guy, but at this point, the way he's so up and down and really unsure of his minutes moving forward, um, like he sat most of the second half last night, I, I just, I can't give that to him. So I think you still have to go with bogey Turner or Collison. I'm going to, I'm just going to go with uh, Bogdanovich because I feel like um, if he – like his stats have been pretty consistent, but if he can um, hit more of the big shot, that's what they need the most um, from him. So I think he's the most important. All right, I'll, I'll come back to you on this subject in a second, but I want to go to you, Corey. Uh, what are your thoughts on who's the most important p- uh, Pacer player without Oladipo? Uh, I'm going to say Darren Collison, simply for the playmaking that he contributes. Uh, the fact that he can, I mean, just, the offense seems to run so much smoother when he's in there. Uh, the ability that he has, the chemistry he has with Miles Turner, the ability to, to play ten, just tenacious defense. I mean, that Boston game that we lost, I mean, Darren Collison had, I was checking the third quarter where he just couldn't miss. Um, and they missed guys like that who create off the dribble and get their own shots. So I think for me, it's getting Darren Collison. Fachi? Just to be a little bit different, uh, I'm going to have to go with if Thad Young is hitting on all cylinders, this Pacer team is going to be great because he does so much for this team that you guys remember in December when he was getting recognition for you know a player of the week. I mean, he was very, very good. So it, he brings so much to the table that we need him to be probably at least maybe the second best Pacer. It, it, we want that to be Miles Turner, obviously, because – you know what Boyan's going to bring. But if Thad Young's doing well, we're going to do well. So I put out a tweet, I think it was last night during the Pacers game, especially in the first quarter. It just You could tell how much that you missed Darren Collison and his ability to set up the offense. And so I, I tend to agree with Corey here on, on Darren Collison being the most important. And it's got nothing to do with Boyan, you know, not you know producing, because I think Boyan produces no matter who's playing point. But mm-hmm. the biggest concern, like you said, Fachi, is, is Miles Turner. Um in the pick and roll, Tyreek Evans and Miles Turner have absolutely zero chemistry. And to me, it feels like Darren Collison is best in the pick and roll with with Miles Turner, which gets Turner open a lot, especially on that behind-the-back pass where he's at to the three-point line. He's also, you know, like Corey said, a tenacious defender, something that the Pacers, you know, need at that point guard position. Now, Corey Joseph is a good defender as well. 
but he doesn't have the speed that Darren Collison does. So, you know, this these injuries seem to be a concern of mine uh, as we head into the playoffs. Now, you were there last night, Tyler. Do you expect these injuries to be a playoff hindrance, or do you think this is more a precautionary thing? Uh, it's hard to say, but it didn't really sound too promising. I mean, the fact that after the game, I mean, McMillan kind of um, shocked us and uh, said, you know, I don't expect him to play. And that's two days out at that time when he said it. So, I mean, you know, when you're doubtful two days out, that means you're at best questionable for Friday's big game against Boston. I mean, it's really hard to say, especially when you say, you know, uh, groin and hamstring uh, injuries that can linger. Um, I'm kind of holding my breath at this point for those guys. Yeah. All right, well, let's move on to our very last topic. This is the one that I think most Pacer fans will be excited us to hear us talk <clears> about, and that is a we know about 99.9% chance we're going to be playing Boston in the playoffs. We do not know if we're going to be at home or on the road. It is in the Pacers' hands. If they went out this month, they will have home court advantage. I'm going to start with you, Corey. Pacers, Celtics, um, what is the <clears> – <throat> thing the Pacers have to do to be able to you know I guess you could call an upset uh, upset Boston in a a playoff series I mean he's taking care of the basketball uh I think in that last game last Friday I think the Celtics had 33 points off turnovers um I know they had 25 after three I think they finished with 33 I might be slightly off on that but we we had I think five turnovers in the first quarter, then only one in the second. They had seven in the second. It's basically with the Pacers and the Celtics. So the Celtics have so much talent on that roster, obviously. Right. Obviously, they haven't gelled and everything hasn't been copacetic at times. But if the Pacers want to pull an upset, we have to take care of the basketball. We have to limit the Celtics in transition. You have to play a cleaner game. And that's how I think you beat the Celtics. Michael? Boston crushed us in the paint last time, outscoring us by 14 yeah, they obviously they won the turnover battle, fast break points. But you have to stop Kyrie Irving. In the last, he had eight points in the fourth quarter, but it was six points and I believe, the last three minutes. And obviously, the one that hurt the most, the game winner, because it's not just how he hit the shot. I mean, is it just me, or did he actually fake out every single person on the Pacers? Because it was at least four of them. And it, that's something that you just can't stop. Because he's that scary of a ball handler. So I don't know how you're going to do it, but you got to limit Kyrie. Well, let, me, let me stop you there. You said you can't stop him. Well, they had an opportunity to have two guys potentially get in the way and stop him. Wouldn't you want the Pacers to overcommit to Kyrie and get beat by a three by Jalen Brown and or Al Horford, Fachi? Yes. Uh, I want to see Al Horford try and hit that game-winning three rather than Kyrie going down the lane. Miles Turner, he, 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 I think he might have done the right thing. I mean, he saw that, first of all, there's talks that he believed that Kyrie picked up his dribble. I understand if that was his train of thought. And if he does help Kyrie, Kyrie probably does kick that out to Al Horford for three. But I'd rather see Horford take that shot than Kyrie drive it down the lane. That's a fair point. Tyler? I think the key is the Pacers just can't beat themselves. I mean, that game in Boston last week, really showed a lot about how um, the Pacers can keep up with this team. It was actually a confidence booster, as the guys were talking about in the locker room, um, to know they had it. But how many playoff series are we going to watch as Pacer fans where, oh, that one game that got away, and whether it's a referee thing or whether it's a, you know LeBron blowing by somebody for a layup and blown coverages, that's what that game reminded me of. You had a missed layup, wide-open missed layup by Thad Young. Um, you had a scramble that the Pacers got it, but missed the shot. And then why, 
you know, you know Kyrie wants to shoot, so you got to double or triple team and make somebody else beat you. Those are the little things in, in a series. I expect almost every game to be close. The Pacers have a chance. But, man, if they beat themselves even one time in that series, they're probably not going to come out of the first round. Also, Tyler, Thad blew that layup with about 40 seconds or a minute ago that he makes nine out of ten times. I mean, I was shocked that, that he missed yeah. that down low and it ended up being a big one. Yep. Well, let me ask you this, Fachi. We'll come back and we'll start a new topic basically with the same uh, with the Celtics in mind. But, you know, how important – is is having home court advantage in a playoff series? I mean, can the Pacers win if they're the five seed? No, I don't think so. Because right now, it sounds terrible to say, but going into the playoffs right now, the Pacers are playing as bad as po- as they possibly can on the road right now. And we're running into Detroit right now. Detroit is playing as great as they could possibly play on the road. So it's just, I don't know when we're going to end this streak, but you have to end it before the playoffs. That fourth seed and home court advantage is everything. Tyler? I agree. I've been saying it for a long time. They need home court and not just the 10-game losing streak on the road, but if you look at typical playoff series, it's not just going to be the home team wins all seven games. I If the Pacers were home, I don't think they're winning – all four games at home. I think maybe they win three of them, and then they only have to win one on the road. If they're on the road, they're probably going to have to win, you know, two games in Boston. And I just, I just don't see that happening um, with the talent difference, with the injuries, and their struggles away from home. Corey, I'm right there with you guys. It's all about home court. Both the Celtics and Pacers, 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 both have losing records on the road. Both teams are better at home, so I, it comes down to who's going to have home court advantage. And I, I do think, though, if we have Victor Oladipo, I think it doesn't really matter. I have to be honest, but um, this is where we are. Is is there an X factor in your mind, Corey, for the Pacers to overcome a team like Boston? What is the Pacers' quote-unquote X factor? I mean, it's. It, I think it goes back to Miles Stern at the end of the day. Um, it's going to be how he becomes maybe the second or first option for the Pacers. He's got to be... <laughs> The guy scoring, as we mentioned, like 17 and 8. He's He's got to have two to three blocks. He's got to be hitting the long ball. He's got to be efficient and bullying. Uh, so I think there is a matchup to be had between him and Al Horford down low. Obviously, Horford's stronger than he looks, but um, that for me, that would be the X factor. Fachi? I mean, I'm right with you there. If Miles Turner plays like he did earlier in the year, like that December time frame, we're a dangerous team. But if not, I go back. You need Thad Young to just be doing a little bit of everything very well, which is who he is. And if he's doing that, I think the Pacers definitely stand a chance. Tyler? I think the fact that we're mentioning all these different players is both the blessing and the curse of this team because so many talented guys and they play team ball, but at the same time you don't know which one really is that X factor. You don't know which one's going to step up. So I'm going to take a different route, and I'm going to say – how Nate McMillan um, judges the minutes and distributes the rotation is going to be maybe the X factor as far as who's playing. Is he going to have a couple guys that have been slumping for a couple months sit out and have a guy like Holiday come in there and bring some life? Or is he going to play Turner and Sabonis together more? Um, How is he going to adjust to the mastermind Brad Stevens and some of the things that he does? So I'm going to go Nate McMillan as my X factor. That, that's a good that's a good point you bring up there, Tyler, because I was thinking about Nate McMillan as well and how he handles his rotations. And, you know, last year we saw Domatis Sabonis was probably consistently 
arguably the second best player in that series against Cleveland last year. You know, you had the big game from Bogey at home. You had Collison step up late towards the end of the series, but consistently, Sabonis seemed just to be that you know that anchor off the bench that really you know kept that team in most of the games. So, with a guy like Sabonis, we saw Boston go with two bigs and Baines and Horford. Do you think we'll be seeing Sabonis? You know, get an uptick in minutes. I'll start with you, Corey. I mean, he's the sixth man of the year candidate for a reason, obviously. Um, so I think he'll probably get an up in minutes. I think we'll see them more together. I've actually liked the Turner Sabonis combination um, over the course of the last couple of months. It's, it's a little fluky at times, but I actually do like how they look on the floor together. And I think we'll see a little bit more of it, especially if they're going to run out Baines. I know Baines played um, a season high in minutes uh, last Friday. Bocci? How could you argue not giving him more minutes? I mean, I would love to be seeing Sabonis more around that 30-minute mark instead of, you know, typically around 25 minutes. So I think five more minutes could could be all the all the difference. But also, you know, you got to stay out of foul trouble. And uh, I know that uh, it was a little ridiculous against Detroit the other night in regards to that. But I think why not give Sabonis 30 minutes? I think the Pacers are a better team if you do. Yep. Tyler? And I would say the fact that they've played better together um, here lately definitely helps that. And, you know, playoffs is about toughness and, you know, being gritty. And, you know, Sabonis is that kind of player. So I would also like to see, and I do think we will see him at least in the upper 20s and minutes or hopefully up to that 30. All right, my last question for you guys to wrap up today's show. It's unfortunately that we've been seeing a, a very woeful shooting percentage from Corey Joseph. Um just doesn't really seem to be himself uh, lately out on the court offensively. Now, defensively, he's still bringing the the energy that you need. So, Tyler, with Corey Joseph, you know, what can the Pacers do to, you know, just kind of, I guess we should say, um, you know, make him an impactful player with his offense kind of being limited right now? This is tough. I was talking to some fans about this most of the day today on Twitter and, um, a lot of people, I can understand why they would say they want him benched because he's shot like 28% or lower from three for the last like four months um, every month. So, I mean, it's pretty brutal. Other teams are just going to leave him open, and um, he's he just lost all confidence. You did mention he's, he's good defensively. My thing is, and I don't know about – I'm, I'm kind of torn on playoffs or not, but my thing is for um, McMillan is that when the Pacers do look lifeless and need a jolt, that's the time you need to put Holiday in. And I would not hesitate to do that in a playoff game. If I see kind of lifeless offense, not you know, no shooting, put him in, see if he can be a jolt. Um, but I do think Joseph at least gets a chance uh, to see you know the veteran, the leadership. Um, he'll get a shot in there. All right, Corey. Yeah, I mean um... – it's been it's been tough. I mean, he's only shot over forty percent one time since uh, March fifth. So obviously he's just in a slump. Um, but because of the defense and in that first round series against Boston with a guy like Kyrie, who we've already talked about trying to limit, I mean, you're going to want Corey Joseph out there in certain stretches, especially to try and limit a guy like Kyrie. But I'm perfectly okay with Aaron Holiday getting more minutes. I think the offensive impact he has in the limited role he already has has shown me that, you know, if you want some three-point shooting and to get some point guard who can at least create off the dribble and make some shots, and Holiday might be the candidate to take the minutes. Fachi? I firmly believe that Holiday could provide a boost to this team. Uh, it's mostly been blowout minutes in his last three games, but he's shooting 11 of 16. He's got five assists in two of those three games. Uh, I think that he could definitely provide a boost. However, 
I'm not ready to bench Corey Joseph. The playoffs are coming up. It's a whole new game at that point. And I think that I'm ready for him to shoot himself out of this slump now. And it seems like it's not looking that way, but I'm not ready to give up on him. He's too valuable of a player. He brings too many intangibles to this team that we do need him, and we just need him to get it going quickly. Don't need him to shoot, but just sacrifice, be a team player. He's done that well the last few years. All right. Well, since we have pretty much agreed on most of our conversation here, it's hard to pick a winner for today's episode of Setting the Pace Around the Horn. So here's what I'm going to do. To determine the tiebreaker of who wins, I'm going to go to each of you individually. You've got 20 seconds. You're going to give your pregame speech to the Pacers before game one. What are you saying to get this team rallied up to go out there and take on Boston in game one? And, Corey, since you're our guest, I'll give you a little bit more time to think about it. I will go first to the man that's always got something up his sleeve, Mike Focci. Focci, you're on the clock. 20 seconds. Give me your pregame speech. Does anybody see LeBron James out there? Because I don't. This is our time right now. We're going to go into Boston, and we're going to take over. People say, Indiana who? I don't want to watch them. Well, you know what? Let's force them to watch us because we ain't going nowhere except for the second round of the playoffs. Now let's get it. I love it. All right, Tyler, you're on the clock. All right, well, I don't even need 20 seconds. All I'm going to do is open the door because Victor Oladipo is walking through. He's here. He made the trip. He's going to give the pregame talk. That's all the Pacers need. He said he's going to come back, right? So he said at some point this year he's going to rejoin the team. Game one would be the time. It's going to give them the jolt they need, and it's going to be enough for the victory. Uh, that's all right. week. I think you were afraid <laughs> to give me your pregame speech, Coach. Come on, Coach. Give me something else. Come on. Well, it's hard when I hear um, McMillan talk all year, and it's just like, well, we just got to, uh, you know, if, if I was McMillan, I mean, I, I do know, I will say this, when he's with the team and there's no media around, he's he's a different guy from what I've heard and some of the video I've seen, but man, the post-game comments, he's just like, we, we just didn't shoot the ball, we just didn't shoot the ball well, you know, it's like, guys, we got to get we gotta get pumped up for game one. Yeah, all right, all right, well, I respect it. Corey, you had about All right, short and sweet, seconds. short and sweet. They slept on us all year. They don't know who they are. We know who we are. Play our game. Bam. There you go. All right. Well, based on the energy and the the readiness, without even really having any time to prep, I think Mike Focci is the winner of today's showdown. Focci Jack will give, McMullen. We'll give, we'll give uh, Michael Jackie McMullen Focci. Uh, is that what the J stands for in Michael J. Focci? Jackie? There is no J in my name. If it J, maybe I'm J Mariotti. Yeah, no. He was, maybe. He's not on the ESPN oh. anymore, my man. We'll call you Bill Plaschke. Yeah, whatever. Whatever you want to call me, you'll call me a winner. All right? Because All that's right. what the Pacers would have done. All right. You got, your, you got 20 seconds here for your final showdown. Any thoughts you want to say? Hey. Setting the pace, listeners. Appreciate everything. You know, I love you, having you guys tune in. We're always down to make the show better, so please submit some reviews, submit a rating. We're always trying to get better, but we, we, we're very excited to have you guys with us as we enter the playoffs. So let's get it. All right, everybody, that does it for another episode of Setting the Pace. You can follow us on Twitter at Setting the Pace 3, and you guys can follow our guest, Corey Waldron, on Twitter at KWAL Hoops. And he does all things Pacers for Off the Glass. You can follow Fachi at underscore F-A-C-C-I. Tyler Smith underscore I-S-L. And me at Alex Golden NBA. And until next time, peace out. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. 
legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history, relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.